good to see everyone this morning. Uh, it's been an encouraging time to be together. Appreciate everyone being here. Appreciate our visitors coming our way. And um, hope you find in us a congregation that is seeking to serve the Lord. That is what we strive to do here as we come together on this first day of the week to uh, break the bread of life and to remember our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you all for being here and appreciate uh, our service up to now. I wanted to talk this morning um, about baptism, and I wanted to uh, approach it maybe just a little bit differently. And uh, as I'm sure as, as Christians, you've heard lots of sermons on baptism, um, and that's okay. It's important. Um, but I wanted to talk about it this morning in, in this way, in, in beginning our discussion and asking this question, have you really been baptized? So there's a lot of confusion out in the world, and especially in the religious world, about baptism. So I wanted to spend a few moments with you this morning to talk about a few things and hopefully maybe clear up some of that confusion and talk about the simple truths and the simple um, direction that we have from our Lord through the inspired Word of God. So we talk about baptism. We ask the question, are you really baptized? So a good place to start in this discussion is with some, some definitions. We want to talk about what it means to be baptized. We've got to start by understanding what the word means. What does the word baptism mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word baptisma, and that word simply means immersion or submersion, and that's it. That's what the word means. It means immersion. And we understand that because we see the word baptism not just talking about being baptized for the remission of sins, but as we, and we're going to, if you want to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be in throughout the book of Acts and other places this morning, but we're kind of centered around the events here in Acts chapter 2 of what's going on. Um, when the apostles and disciples were gathered there together, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means they were immersed in the Holy Spirit. So the word baptism just simply means that. It means immersion. The word baptism comes from, as we mentioned, the Greek word baptisma, and it's a function of transliteration. Now, I don't want to go too far into this, this the, the, the scholarly part of this, but a transliterated word is different than a translated word. A translated word would be, we see the word baptisma in the Greek, and it's translated into our English as immersion. Because we know what immersion means. We know that means a going down into, to be covered over into, uh, or covered up with. That's what immersion means. Or submersion has that idea of going down into. So to translate the word baptisma, we would say that means immersion. That's how we would translate the word. Transliteration is when scholars and translators come in and instead of translating the word from Greek to English, they essentially come up with a new word in our English language. Baptism is that new word that they came up with. And you can tell that by the, the fact that it looks very closely like the word baptisma. So the translators, instead of translating it as immersion, they just came up with a word called baptism. And so that's why we have the word baptism. It means immersion. It still means immersion. 
but instead of translating it as immersion, they transliterated it to baptism. And what we need to understand in all that is that the definition is what takes precedence. We can't simply come up with a new word and then change the meaning of that word. It has to reflect and translate back to the original. So the word baptism means immersion. And that's what has to take precedence. When we talk about baptism, we're talking about an immersion. Look at an example. Look over in Acts chapter 8. We know this example very well. This is the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And the events that transpire where the Ethiopian eunuch becomes baptized, where he becomes immersed. We'll pick up the reading in verse 34. It says, The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say of this, of himself or someone else? This is Philip. Um, the, he catches up with the, with the chariot. He's reading there from the book of Isaiah. The eunuch is. And the eunuch asks Philip, is he, who is he speaking of here? Verse 35, And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, he came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? So in Philip's teaching of him and teaching him about the Christ, it's obvious that he told him in order to be saved from his sins, he had to be baptized. And so they come across some water, and Philip says, there's some water, why can't I be baptized? Verse 37, And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. So in this little section here, we see a lot about baptism, don't we? We see in the teaching that Philip gave to the eunuch, he taught him that he had to be baptized for the remission of his sins. Because Philip asked the, or the eunuch asked the question, there's water, why can't I be baptized? And Philip says, you can be. He says, if you believe. And the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they stopped the chariot, and what does it say? It says they went down into the water, and he baptized him. He immersed him. So we have an example right there of what baptism means as far as the immersion, the definition, the word we're working with here. So let's go on and talk a little bit more about baptism and look at some of the things that baptism is. And we start by understanding that baptism is a death. We look at a passage like Romans 6 and verse 3. It says, Or do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? So in baptism, we see a death. In baptism, we also see a burial. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says that we are buried with him in baptism. So here we can kind of understand and get a little bit clearer picture of what is being said here about immersion. When we look at passages, passages like that, we're buried with him in baptism. When you bury someone, you immerse them in the ground. So Paul makes this point here with the Colossians that you've been buried with him in baptism. And baptism also is a new birth. We look in our own Lord's teachings. 
when Nicodemus comes to him at night and asks him about some things concerning the kingdom. Jesus answered and said to you, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So baptism is a new birth. And who better to tell us that than the Lord himself? In this speaking with and counseling with Nicodemus, he tells him, unless you're born again, you cannot see, see the kingdom of God. He goes on to tell him that unless you are born of water in the spirit. Born of water. What does that mean? That means to be immersed in water. And to be born out of it. A new birth. So baptism is a death, a burial, a new birth. And it's these things all at once. Look with me over in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Paul so beautifully expresses all this in one place here in Romans chapter 6 about baptism, about what it is. In Romans chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We read that a moment ago. Verse 4. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Death. Burial. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There's the new birth. There's the resurrection. Verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So right there in that one passage right there, we understand about baptism, don't we? It's a death, it's a burial, it's a resurrection. All at once. We go down into those waters of baptism. We suffer death. The waters close over us. We're buried. And then when we come up out of the water, we walk in newness of life. We're born again, as our Lord says. Another thing that baptism is. Baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is another very important thing to understand about baptism. In Matthew chapter 28, as our Lord is commissioning his disciples to go out into the world, he says to them, Go therefore to, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So as they go out, as they begin and embark on their mission, the Lord says you're going to be baptizing them what? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means by the authority of those. By the authority of the Godhead. By the authority of all that is divine. The God. Son. The Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord. That's what baptism is. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 we're going to use this verse a lot because there's a lot in it that speaks about baptism, of course. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There it is again. For the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. By the authority of, in the name of. It's important to understand that baptism has to be in the name of Jesus Christ. No other. Not an individual church. Not an organization. Not a man of this world. By the name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10, beginning of verse 47. This is the accounts that happened with the conversion of Cornelius and his household. When Peter realizes that the gospel is available to all men. Verse 47, it says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? This is the, the gospel going to the Gentiles. The gospel first went out to the Jews, and then it went to the Gentiles. And Peter, through these accounts here, with uh, the miraculous things that happened and him preaching and teaching to the house of Cornelius, he realizes that these two can be saved. And how? By water. Who can forbid these from water? Verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay on for a few days. So in the account here, of Peter, recognizing that the Gentile, the gospel was available to the Gentiles, he says that they had to be baptized. And how were they baptized? In the name of the Lord. Look over in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. This is at the conclusion of Paul's third missionary journey. He comes to Ephesus, and he came about while the apostles were, uh, was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus. Beg your pardon, this is towards the beginning of his third missionary journey. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said to, them, uh, to him, No, we have not heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is to say, in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And they're all about 12 men. So, Paul comes to these who in Ephesus who were only familiar with the baptism of John. What does he tell them? That there's one coming after John whose name you have to be baptized into. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. John was preaching a baptism, a baptism of repentance. John was also saying there's one coming after me. And it is in his name that one must be baptized. In his name is remission of sins and salvation. Truly. Another thing that baptism is, as we just said, baptism is for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
What is baptism for? It's for the remission of sins. Now, some people like to play games with that word for and somehow say that you're being baptized because your sins have been forgiven. That's not it. You're baptized to have your sins remitted. This is further cleared up in, in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. When Paul is, is recounting the, the, his own conversion, and Ananias says to him, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. That's what baptism does. Baptism washes away the sins. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for good conscience. It doesn't wash our flesh, but it does wash away our sins. And it's not the outward display of an inward faith as some in the religious world teach. Scripture says, Baptism saves you. It's for the remission of sins. What baptism is not, as we understand this, is not to be added to a, a church role. That's not what it's for. Go back to Acts chapter 2. Again, here's the account of the day, uh, the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, if you come over to verse 47, the end of verse 47, it says, And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who's doing the adding? God is doing the adding. Who is he adding? Those who are being saved. And who are those who are being saved? Those who are being baptized. It's an important point. Some in the religious world say that you're baptized to become a member of that local church, to be added to the role of that church. We ba we become, we're baptized for the remission of our sins. God adds us to the church, those who have believed and have been baptized. Baptism is for the remission of sins. Another point we need to make is about who is a candidate for baptism, who is available for baptism. And baptism is for the penitent believer. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized. You see, we have to be able to make a change in our life. That's what penitence is. Recognizing that we're in error. And believing in Jesus Christ. Repent. Mark 16 and verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So we see that there is a qualification for the candidate for baptism. And who is that? One who believes. And we know from Acts chapter 2, verse 38, one who repents. So there's something to be said for a candidate for baptism. We read there from Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, down in verse 37. Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Remember, 
the eunuch said, there's water, why can't I be baptized? And Philip says, if you believe, you can be. And what does the eunuch say? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The eunuch makes a confession before he is baptized. He believes. He's repented. And he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So there's a recognition. Why do we say all this? We say all this because this rules out infant baptism. This rules out baptism for any other reason. A person, a candidate for baptism, has to be a penitent believer. There's something on their part that they have to do before they can be baptized. They have to hear the Word of God. They have to believe in what they hear. And they have to repent of the sins of their life. And they have to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That takes someone of knowledge, at least knowledge of those things. An infant doesn't have that knowledge. An infant's not a candidate for baptism. So we come back to the question, have you really been baptized? Were you immersed? We talked about the death, burial, the resurrection, immersion. That rules out any other kind of baptism. That rules out sprinkling or pouring. That's not immersion. Immersion means exactly that. Baptism means that. Being immersed. Death, burial and a resurrection. That's how we come in contact with the death of our Lord. Fortunately, we don't have to go and be buried in the ground. We're buried in the waters of baptism. Sprinkling and pouring will not satisfy that requirement. One has to be immersed. Were you baptized in the name of the Lord? This rules out being on any, uh, being baptized to, to be, come on the church roll, uh, in someone else's name or authority. We're baptized in the name of the Lord. And were you baptized for the remission of sins? That's the reason. And this rules out any kind of public expression of faith that says, I, I, look, I've already been saved, now I'm going to go perform a show to tell everybody else that I've been saved. Scripture says baptism is for the remission of sins. You go in the baptism of waters to wash away your sins. It's not an outward expression of an inward faith. You find that expression nowhere in Scripture when it comes to baptism, when it comes to salvation. Baptism is for the remission of sins, and we have to be baptized accordingly. Were you a penitent believer when you were baptized? Confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And this rules out any other kind of um, confession. This rules out any other kind of reason, uh, peer pressure or family pressure. You have to be a penitent believer. This rules out infant baptism. Because an infant doesn't know the things that we talked about. If not... If you don't meet these qualifications, then you have not been properly baptized. 
As we said, baptism means immersion. You're baptized in the name of the Lord. You're baptized for the remission of sins. And you're baptized as a penitent believer. If you have not, then you've not been properly baptized. And I want to call your attention over to Ephesians 4 for just a moment. In Ephesians 4, Paul writing here in verse 4 beginning, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. As we talk about baptism, as we mentioned, there are other kinds of baptisms that we read about in Scripture. We read about the baptism of John. John was the one in the wilderness, baptizing in the Jordan. People were going out into him and being baptized. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We read about there in Acts chapter 2, with the disciples who were gathered there, and they were immersed, they were baptized into uh, the, the Holy Spirit. So how do we square all that when Paul says that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism? What's he talking about? What one baptism is it? I want to take you back to Acts chapter 19. Turn back there with me. Acts chapter 19. We read this just a moment ago. I want to read it with a a little different perspective and understanding about this one baptism. Acts chapter 19. Verse 1, and it came about while the Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And they uh, and, uh, said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, were, when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So these had been baptized. What had they been baptized into? It says right there. They were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is Jesus. John was baptizing. He was baptizing for repentance. But what was he saying? Saying, believe in the one who's coming after me. There's one that's coming after me. Verse 5, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want to make this point that this is the one baptism that Paul is referring to. There's one baptism. There's one baptism that saves us from our sins. That's the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are other baptisms that happened to this point. Even these disciples here in Ephesus were baptized in the baptism of John. But upon hearing that, Paul took them and he baptized them. Now, I want to make this point too. It doesn't say that he re-baptized them, does it? It says that he baptized them. What does that tell us? That tells us that there's one baptism. It's not a re-baptism. It's not being baptized again. It's being baptized in the one baptism for the remission of sins, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a penitent believer, being immersed. That's the one baptism. There's a lot of error in the world, and there's a lot of misconceptions about baptism. The teaching in the New Testament is very simple and easy to follow. 
and easy to understand. One more time with Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's simple. That's very simple. And understanding what baptism is. Being baptized for the remission of your sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message. That's the gospel message that these here in, on the day of Pentecost, they heard. They heard about this Jesus Christ, whom they crucify. And they asked Peter, what shall we do? And that's when Peter says that. Guess what? Same is true for us today. What shall I do? If I haven't been saved, what shall I do? The very same thing. Repent and be baptized for the remission of my sins. And I'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a child of God, I encourage you to become one. Understanding what it takes to be a penitent believer. If as a child of God you are not living up to the standard that our Lord has for his children, I encourage you to make that right. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.